0: Through the end of the year, the Banner of Truth is running its annual Christmas special. That means the banner has its best prices of the year on all of its books. In particular, the multi-volume sets go on steep discount up to 50% off. Readers will be interested to see their new Puritan box sets and the new premium editions of the Valley of Vision, which are now available. Check them out at thebanneroftruth.org and give some gifts this year that will give some lasting spiritual help long after Christmas is over. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel and resources for pastors. You can get more information at the shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors reminding them of the chief pastor. All right, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. I'm excited to talk to a man with uh, the same name as one of my heroes. Well, I guess it's uh, a hero of pretty much everybody in the reform world, but talking to Mr. Joseph Spurgeon today. How you doing, man?
1: Doing great. So who's Joseph that's a hero that everybody you've been talking about?
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. The coat of many colors. I mean, you might've heard of him from this book called the Bible. I don't know. Uh, But but we'll pray and then we'll get get to your last name and a bunch of other good stuff. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for a brother and uh, I thank you for the work that he's doing at his local church and First and foremost, with his family, and then the local church and the ministry abroad. And uh, Lord, we thank you for this uh, technology, even to be able to do this. and And I pray that this will be helpful to every listener. I thank you for the work that he's also done with these two books we're going to talk about today. So just leave this discussion. I trust that you're going to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Joseph, for those who may not know you, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, and then what it is that you do. And go ahead and tell about the podcast and the books as well. And then we'll get to that here in a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I am a pastor in Southern Indiana, a church planter pastor, um, planted a church about four years ago called Sovereign King Church. And, uh, we are a, uh, Presbyterian church that has both, uh, Reformed Baptist and, uh, more traditional, uh, Presbyterians in the same church in both leadership and in, um, in the congregation, so we we have a we have charity on the issue of baptism, and uh, um, and we're part of a presbytery that does the same. It's called Evangel Presbytery, and uh, we planted the church. And uh, Lord willing, here in February, we're going to be particularized. That's uh, that means that we will uh, have ordained elders and will no longer be considered a church plant, but a full-on church. So the Lord has been very kind to us. We planted the church, and God has grown it, and uh, especially this year. So everybody's, you know, complaining about 2020, but it's actually been a really good year for our church. Us too, uh, the, yeah. Uh, so the Lord has grown our church. You know, just meeting for church, you would be surprised, people come. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. And, so, <laughs> and uh, but it's been very good. Um, I uh, also am... Uh, a host of a podcast called the patriarchy podcast on the fight laugh feast uh, network. And uh, it's a podcast dedicated to helping um, and strengthening men to be men, to be godly men, to, uh, to to live out their sexuality according to the Bible and nature as God has created. And so that's been very good. And then uh, along with that, I've written a couple books on helping children in the same kind of area, you know, Every, If you think through uh, church history, you think of how enemies rise up against the church, or, or there's controversies, and, and the church has to respond. And oftentimes, when they respond, it almost sounds like they, they've got a broken record. So they're constantly harping on the same issues, like the early church, the Trinity, the Trinity, the Trinity, and time of Reformation, soteriology, and and, and really the theology of the church as well, and, and sola scriptura, and they just keep hitting on these things, hitting against the Papacy. Well, in our day, uh, I think the one of the primary issues that we are dealing with is um, anthropology uh, and a denial of biblical and anthropology of God's created order, denial of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And so it's one of those things that God has given me a, uh, a passion for to see men. Uh, uh, leading their homes, to leading their families, leading the church and in society, and to see women living out their calling as women uh, with biblical femininity, which is so beautiful and, and good. It's what God created. And so um, I think it's important to teach that. And I've written a couple books to help teach young children from the very beginning that it's good to be what God made them to be. It's good to be a boy and it's good to be a girl. So the, the, the girl book just released last Friday. Awesome. Good work and a hearty amen
0: to all of that. Um, Looking forward to getting into both of those. We got, it's good to be a boy for our sons. We have two boys and we got a little girl on the way. We get to meet her next month. And so we got that book and yeah, we're very excited about it. So, so good work on that. Okay. Let's back up and talk about a couple of things. The mandatory question that everybody I'm sure has to ask is okay. Any relation at all to, to the, the Prince himself, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon with your last name, any. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Charles Spurgeon is my son. Is your son? Okay, yeah, so you've had a son named Charles Spurgeon. So Was he
0: named after a great 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 grandfather or uncle or cousin uncle. or something like that? An uncle. uncle. Like a, okay.
1: A great yeah, great 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 uncle about 4 or 5 greats.
0: Okay, so you've done that lineage work to figure that out then.
1: My aunt did it. I have not personally uh, done the work. Yeah, okay. she, she my great aunt did that and so um, okay. she traced it back to his one of his brothers.
0: Very cool. You know how long it's been since you your family made its way from England to America? Do you know that timeline?
1: I mean, it's, it's a, probably about 150 years or, or so. Um, actually, my son and I were uh, um, doing some hunting last week at our family farm, and uh, there's a church on that's basically on almost on the property of the family farm. It's the family church, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it was it was uh, listed at 1899 on the on the thing. When it, is that right? 1899, yeah. So that's 121 years old. So. Yeah. Uh, Sometime before then. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Well, let's talk to hunting before
0: we talk uh, credo-pado-baptism here for a second. But uh, did you get, I'm sure it was whitetail, right? I mean, it's whitetail season in Indiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get anything?
1: Uh, I I got a little deer.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was was little. (laughs) Okay. But you got (laughs) it.
1: I I may have the record for having the biggest deer on our farm and the littlest deer on our farm. Okay.
0: Yeah. And you can shoot with rifles in Indiana, can't you?
1: Yes. Oh, this is West Virginia, actually. Oh, it's
0: West Virginia. Okay. Yeah, that's gotcha. where I'm, I'm from originally. Yeah. Okay. Well, that hill country here in Illinois, you, have to, you actually have to shoot, I think, because of the flatness of the state, kind of like in the north and in the middle of the state, you have to shoot with shotgun slugs. And so I've got a slug uh-huh. gun. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's neat because they actually rifle out these these barrels, and so it's a pretty accurate. I mean, you got accuracy for about 150 yards, and uh, I got I got one last week, just a little buck. It was just a wasn't a spike buck, but it wasn't wasn't much bigger. So I I got I got that, and then I I got a uh, my first bow kill this year, which was a lot of fun. So I got a a little two year old or three year old buck uh, that was was pretty fun.
1: So yeah, okay. So how does it was actually really it was good to uh, what the best the best part about this season was I took my son. My son is five, okay. And so this is the first time he's been out to the farm and got to sit in the woods with me, and that's why I killed the little deer. He was with me. I got excited and was like, "Let's, let's, uh, let's get something while he's here."
0: Well, that's good. Hey, th- those taste the best, you know. So there's no shame in that. Well done. As long as there's no spots, that's what I heard. Take it out.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. Um. So our uh, son is six. So next year we're planning on putting him. I got a two seater. Uh, stand from a buddy of mine, and so I'm going to plan on bringing him out with me next year. So, uh, all right. Nice. So, how do you do this? I didn't know this before the podcast started here, but how do you? How does that work? Having Paedo and Cradle Baptist on the same elder team, and you are a Presbyterian Church, and so how? If you're if you're giving charity to each other, I'm very intrigued. I love that. So, how, how does that work practically?
1: Practically, how it works is that. Um... For one, we don't charge each other with with gross sin for not holding to the same position. So um, we do agree that one of us is wrong. Okay, the Baptists are, and are wrong. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> but, but we agree that one's wrong and one is right. So we're not um, um, uh, what's a relativists. We're not uh, more relativists or biblical relativists. But uh, we also believe that um, we're both sides are trying to operate in good faith. Mm -hmm. and that that this that we have so much else in common so much else that we share in common and mission and with all the things going on around with us we already do a lot of work together outside and and you know you think about this you see rc Sproul and and macarthur sharing a stage together yeah and and preaching together considering each other brothers and so for us to work together in a single church we we first acknowledge that one of us might one of us is wrong one of us is right so and but at the same time we also acknowledge that we are attempting to operate in good faith and we're praying for god to give us wisdom and that way that we would grow to a greater understanding um but uh we also have to operate and this is where uh, maybe baptists feel like they might have to compromise a little bit is that um we all agree that the children of the parents uh, of believers are are members of our church. Uh, that is, they're, they're non communicant members. They don't take the Lord's Supper, but they do. They are. They're not visitors. They don't fill out a visitor card every week. They're there. They're to be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and uh, they they have uh, the duty to respond with faith to the gospel, and. Uh, uh, when they do respond with faith, whether they've been baptized as a baby, or um, later on, when uh, if it's a credo Baptist parents and and um, they respond with faith or baptized, they have that they make a profession of faith and they received into uh, uh, the to the Lord's supper to the Lord's table by the elders, and so um, a lot of people are always intrigued. but well, how does this work? I mean, it's it for uh, the church that helped start our presbytery has been doing it for over twenty years. We've done okay. it for four years. And it's, it's worked great. We have both Baptist and, and pado Baptist in the same church. We kind of give each other a little ribbon every once in a while, a little fun with it. And yet uh, we are wanting to teach the truth. And so when we do uh, a Pado-Baptism, for example, I do uh, teach why we do that. Mm-hmm. If we do a Credo-Baptist, we explain what the position is. And, and uh, we just try to um, give people charity on the issue.
0: Good. That's helpful. I've been thinking about doing an episode about why I'm still Baptist. And I figure, why don't we just have a quick discussion? And I'm going to lay out the, the, the path that I've been on and then where I'm at, and I'll mm-hmm. make it in two minutes or less. And then right. you critique that, and we'll just have some fun with this. And before we okay. start talking about the books, we'll just have fun talking about baptism for a second. <laughs> okay. So I preached through Romans 11 this year, was preaching through Romans for about a year and a half, and I had read Pascal Denault's The Baptist, a Baptist Covenant Theology, uh, the, the unique, uniqueness of Baptist Covenant Theology from the 17th century, Nehemiah Cox, Nehemiah Cox, and he leans heavily into John Owen's exposition of Hebrews. And um, I went down that route for a while. And then as I was preaching through Romans 11, the visible, invisible nature of the church and the promises coming to the visible church, and then a real apostasy happening through, throughout the New Testament really got a hold of me. And I am somewhat of a hybrid where I'm acknowledging more of a classic covenantal theology um, when it comes to the nature of the visible and invisible church, but also holding on to some of this, the, this Baptist side of, of covenant theology where I can affirm that there are promises given to the visible church and that it is, a, it is a mixed nature and there is really something that people can apostatize from that they were actually a part of and still not being regenerate. The hang-up for me and why I'm still Baptist is that there's a big, seems to me, be a big jump from saying, I can acknowledge the mixed nature of the covenant, and I can acknowledge that there are visible promises given to the church, but it's a step for me to say, I'm going to willingly walk an infant or a child that I know has not been born again into that visible people of God formally. And so for me, that's the that's the... The, the thing that still keeps me being Baptist. So critique it, Joseph Spurgeon. Here's your chance.
1: Well, there was something you said there that I would push back on when she said you would not walk a child or an infant that you know has not been born again. Mm-hmm. How do you know that not been born again?
0: There's been no visible uh, demonstration. It goes back to the same classic Baptist arguments. So as many as received the word were baptized. So there's mm-hmm. no demonstration of repentance and faith, which would I, I would see as the proverbial but was but
1: go ahead. Was John the Baptist uh, saved in the womb?
0: Man, there's there are exceptions. It seems like he was, and uh, yet his life was demonstrated as a life that bear, bore fruit in keeping repentance. And so I, I get where you're coming from. I really do. Yeah. So I think for I think for me personally, the the same principles that apply in your position. That it sounds like you're not a credo, uh, or, I mean a yeah, paido communion guy. And we have a CREC church here in town. Actually, a good buddy of mine, Bill Smith, is a pastor here in the same community that I'm in. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's he's great, man. He's been a he's been a great friend and and a help along the way. And uh, and so, excuse me. Uh, the same principle of, of withholding until there is a visible, some sort of visible sign of internal transformation through repentance of faith for the for the welcoming to the table is the same same principle. And so, I mean, it, some of it gets back to the same. Uh, you know, hang ups that most Baptists have, but, uh, but I have recognized that there is something, a, a real apostasy that, that can happen. So anyways, we're all, yeah, well, all kind not, of, in- you're profit. not
1: far from the kingdom then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, well, thanks for having fun with me on that. That's That's good stuff. Well, um, let me, uh,
1: uh, let me say this. I, I used to be a Baptist. Okay. I Baptist, you know, with the last name, you gotta be right. You gotta start somewhere. And, um, what truly a lot of things that God worked along the way. One was a, um, this debate between James White and a guy named Bill um, um, uh, Shisco. Okay. And um, what really is hit me is that uh, um, starting off looking in the old Testament as the promises made to fathers and how the fathers lead their homes and how Joshua says, as for for me and my house will serve the Lord. And you know, the promises that to Abraham that he would, Command his household after him, and then to to give the sign of the covenant to his children. I see that family household principle all throughout the old testament, and I even see it in the I see it in the New Testament when Jesus talks about uh don't uh, suffer the little children to come to me and and he talks about um and then you have the the uh, um, Peter say the promise is for you and your children and and for all those are far off. But the concept of the father leading the home and saying, this is what our home is going to do. We're going to be Christians. We're going to, or we're going to follow God. Um, and the promise of, of, and, and the command to give to your children is carried through. And if I, I would see if in the new Testament, if that was overridden or changed, that would be a huge, huge change. And one on the level of, uh, of the level of, um, now like Gentiles are now being accepted into the covenant and we have like whole books written about that because it's such a controversy. Mm-hmm. It was, seems to me that if the change had happened and now our children are not part of the covenant, they're not to receive the sign of the covenant that that would be on equal level of a controversy. And we would see scriptures telling us do not give the sign to your covenant, but uh, to your children. But what we see instead are household baptisms and uh, language that mirrors the Old Testament language, like the promises for you and your house, your whole or the promises for you and your children, or uh, you shall be saved you and your household. So, um, I mean, these are obviously the, all the, you know, Presbyterian arguments, but these are what um, have convinced me. And um, um, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's helpful for Baptists to be able to, hear this kind of stuff. And I mean, we've read it, we've studied it, we have conversations about it. And in both ways, I hope that there is an ironing sharpening iron. And and I, I really am challenged and helped by the patriarchal nature of the scriptures and the, the responsibility that fathers have to lead their family and call and commission the men in our church to do the same. I think still in that Joseph, that, you know, we, we push back, back and forth and I'll come at you again, is that the, when Jesus, there is some sort of discontinuity. And uh, with the family where there's something unique happening, where Jesus says, uh, who are my brother? Who who are my brothers and sisters? Who, Who are, who are my family? And you know, his family, his blood relatives were standing outside the door and he's like, it's those who do the will of my father. And so there's, there's still elements there that where I'm scratching my head and thinking, okay, how, how does this, how does this all go together? And I wish, I really do. I wish, and I love what you're doing at your church. Um, but I wish that, that, that we, um, at least there could be some John Bunyan-esque from more Baptist understandings of of being able to welcome each other to the table and to membership. And I, I really do appreciate what you're doing. And I think it's unique. In fact, I'm going to put that in the show notes for people to look. Could you tell me again, did you say it was Evangelical Presbytery? Yeah, Evangel
1: Presbytery, yes.
0: Okay. Because I think that's very unique. And I think a lot of guys want to do that and to hear something that's beyond theoretical that's actually been functioning for 20 years in a way that's, uh, that's robust and it hasn't led to an abandonment of confessionalism is pretty unique. I mean, are, are you aware of any other networks or presbyteries or denominations like that?
1: There is a, Scotch, a, a, Scotch, a, 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 a Scottish presbytery, I can't remember what they're called, that has had that commitment to, to um, charity on baptism. And okay. I think, interestingly enough, many of many or most of the churches have become Credo Baptists. Oh, really? Um, okay. Doing ah. that, yes. Uh, um, and then, um, yeah, I, I've not heard on a, a large scale uh, what is happening, but uh, it 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 works. We have to maintain the commitment to um, charity, but to the truth, mm-hmm. uh, we're not just like well anything goes, mm-hmm. uh, what we, we, we hold to covenant theology. So, um, we even, um, Baptist and Pado Baptists hold to that in our mm-hmm. church. Yep. And so there are yep. things that you have to hold to, yeah, to make right. it work. Yeah. That's and, good. um, but it does, the, the, it's been good. Cool. All right. Let's shift
0: gears a little bit. Uh, you put your finger on the real issue, of the 21st century, which is anthropology, uh, Owen Strayan, Dr. Owen Strahan identified that in his work, um, Reenchanting Humanity, that came out. I read, read that earlier this year, and he goes through the decade or the, the centuries and identifies, you know, here the key, you know, this is, you know, Christology or, or whatever it is for that particular century. And you are hitting the nail on the head. I mean, we have so much confusion because we've had pulpits filled by men who, if not, you know, Spoke authoritatively what the scriptures have to say and what the scriptures clearly say about men and women. They've been terrified, in particular, about anything the Bible says to women. And so, since they've avoided that, avoided that for 150 years, really. And uh, since the the culture has been swept into a a way of thinking that's that's emotionally, emotionally driven, emotionally charged, we've had a very difficult time speaking authoritatively into the culture and into the church, and specifically about anthropology. And so, to the to the point that it somehow weird. Uh, you know, you're looked at as a, a guy that has three or four heads. If you just simply say there's uh, there's only men and women, there's only boys and girls, there's only two genders. <laughs> so tell us about the motive. Why did you write It's Good to Be a Boy? You told us a little bit about that, but I want to get into a little bit more specifics. What are the things that you have been seeing that you that drove you? Maybe it's having kids. I've got to put this down in a, in a children's book so they can understand it in a clear way. And I loved your eight points we we talk through in our family sparks men worship work protect provide lead and love and and those are the action words that we use and so you have a lot of them in there and it comes from work and keep but explain why you wrote that and then why it's good to be a girl as well just would love to hear about it
1: yeah actually so um seeing everything going on in our society i also um when i first went to seminary um I was still kind of holding out a little bit of rebellion, like I, I knew God was calling me to be a pastor, but I was thought, well I'll be a professor or something else. And somebody invited me to the abortion clinic to do some uh, ministry at the abortion clinic. And um, that changed my life. I, we had just had uh, my, our firstborn daughter, and she was like a couple weeks old, and so I left I left, uh, having held her in my arms, I went down there. And I saw a woman come in the very, I wasn't down here at five minutes and uh, uh, a woman came in saying she was going to murder her baby. And there was nothing we can do about it. And I mean, and then uh, later on in that day, we saw another woman who actually changed her mind and kept her baby. Mm-hmm. So all the, this, this wrecked me. Like this is happening in my town. And this is what's going on. And the more I thought about it, the more I got um, involved in, um, sharing the gospel and street evangelism and preaching, but really the desire to be a pastor got, grew out of there, meeting people oh. there, preaching the truth. And then so that final holdout of some kind of rebellion was over and I was going to be a pastor and love the Lord and and preach the truth, but also thinking through that, thinking, why is this stuff happen? Why is abortion so continue to happen and uh, and and all the things going on around and it's because uh men are not being men they're not uh uh, they're not obeying god and leading their homes they're not leading in society they're being passive they're they're and then women are stepping in and trying to overstamp their bounds as well Uh, they've been taught they have to compete against men and so having a child is a, a an impediment to their competing what they really want for happiness. And we, we've thought if we're going to beat this scourge on our land, which is this bloodshed and this slaughter that that really, uh, I, I believe, has, in, in a sense, cursed our land, our country, I and mean, we're under the wrath of God, I think there's, there's the bloodshed. If we're going to see that end. it's going to take faithful men and faithful women, and it's going to take long-term faithfulness, just being how God created us to be. Mm -hmm. And as I thought of that, I thought, well, I have children now. How do I teach them these things? And so I came up with, for my sons and my daughters, something I say to each of them every night when they go to bed, a little catechism almost. Like Mm -hmm. I'll say to my sons, um, men, worship God, build the kingdom, fight the devil, protect the people, provide for your families, and preach the gospel. And then I'll say for, to the girls, I'll say, women, serve God, love your husbands, give life, nurture your families, adorn yourself with humility, and have a gentle and quiet spirit. Hmm. And we say that every, every night before they go to bed. I mean, if I don't say it, they're like, dad, we didn't say it. So they, <laughs> they say it. And um, I was telling somebody about that. And they're like, we ought to put that in a, in a book or something. That would make a good children's book. Mm-hmm. I was like yeah, it kind of would wouldn't it it'd be helpful because that's helpful for our family mm-hmm. and uh, and so we've uh, I just put it in i put the I put the, the boys' book first because I kind of already had uh, that worked out very well and mm-hmm. I thought that would be a good place and so uh, there was a a, a woman in um, Arizona who had written a, a children's book and she was very instrumental for encouraging me to do this and helping me with it and there was a, a pastor named Pastor Jerry Doris, who, who he, he uh, also works as a publisher and uh, um, a, a designer of book covers. Okay. And so he, he knew how to put all this, to help me get all this put together and make it look professional. And so uh, we wrote the, the boy's book, got a really great uh, response to that, mm-hmm. especially for a self-published book. And, and then we have just uh, finished the girl's book. And uh, hopefully um after this uh i'll have uh another one in the series called it's good to be a family Ooh. and and uh, we'll talk about how God created the family and then lord willing that, uh, if I have an idea for it's good to be a church to talk about our our position in the church so um, uh that's that's the goal, but the idea to teach these truths simply i mean mm-hmm. very basic these are these are not written for. They're not written for adults. They're not even written for older children. They're written for a dad to sit down with his sons and sit on have them sit on his lap and read mm-hmm. through it, or a mom to sit down with her daughters. Yeah, And then, um, but to just encourage these little simple truths. And if, I think if you can lay out, this is what I was created for. And this is how I, it's just simple. The children get it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's very good. I mean, we read through it as soon as I got it in the mail, picked it up, and my wife and I read through it. And we just well this is so good my wife is like this is great and it was right in line with some of the stuff that we've been talking about and so we, we've we got you know the the worship work protect provide lead love and my son's just you know yell that out my little two-year-old his speech impediment is there and so he's struggling to get it all out but then you know, we talk about you know little girls women worship work submit help fear nothing and love and, and oh, so
1: there wow. i should have, i should have Talk to you before I wrote the girl book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's, it, it's good to get handles and to get grasped on this, you know, and we, our little girl's getting born. She's going to be born next month. And so we're thinking through these things. So I love you're a little bit ahead of us in this. And uh, have, let me ask, have you thought about tying in rites of passages to each of these stages? Is that something that's crossed your mind at all? I, do you remember? Tying any, in, go ahead.
1: Tying in what? Go ahead. Like
0: T- a, Tying in rites of passages to these certain stages so as you you know, you know give that mantra to them at night, you're catechizing them about boyhood and what it means to be a girl. Have you thought about tying in, okay, now how, how can I train them in that in a particular set of, of rights and paths? It's almost like, remember right, Raising a Modern Day Knight? Did you happen to read that in the, it was like a 1997 book or have you heard of it?
1: I don't know that I've, I've read that one, no.
0: Okay, well, if you want to get a, a cheesy, fun read, pick up the book Raising a Modern Day Knight. And it was this guy and him and his buddies got together, and they were, I think, in their 30s or something like that, and they were like, man, we want to raise our sons right, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're going to do this thing, and so they came up with this rites of passage process for their boys about knighthood, so they, they have all these words, squire, and eventually they, you know, become, they're, they're knighted, and it's, nice. <laughs> it's, there's, there's some goofy elements to it, but it got me thinking about, okay, what, what would it look like to build rites of passages around these concepts and you're you're and now as i'm thinking through what you have written i'm thinking about okay how can i implement this because this is really good and it fills in some of the gaps that i've i've uh, left out so have you thought through that at all about your boys raising sons and um, what it would look like to have a write of write a passage into manhood
1: yeah there's this book called milestones have you have you read read that uh-uh. milestones um i can't remember who wrote it i i read it in seminary for family it's a very similar idea okay but the idea was getting your church to be a part of this idea of milestones. And Okay. Um, yes, this is something I need to develop and work on. One of the things, this is not quite a milestone, but it's something I actually, um, I thought I was going to be late to this interview because there was something that we were doing. We are trying to start a an academy for boys. Wonderful. A Christian academy mm-hmm. for boys. And then eventually we'll start one for girls, maybe. We're just starting we've we got limited resources. We're trying to get the, what we got, but one of the things we want to do is start a, a Christian school that, that focuses, uh, basically four key areas, which is your academics mm-hmm. and, and then two is, uh, um, Bible. So, I mean, uh, obviously everything is under the Bible, everything, but specifically theological, um, training third would be vocational training Okay, aspect to this. So, uh, 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 one class during the day would be some, even for young, we're, start, we're trying to start this with probably younger children, young boys, mm-hmm. some kind of uh, just learning to swing a hammer and those things. And a lot great. of things that are not, um, that our generations have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's always helpful. I, I think these are things that dads have the responsibility to teach, but it's always helpful. Not every dad has had a dad who taught him that. Mm-hmm. And so, it's helpful to be able to pull your resources. Yeah. then the last aspect would be a a discipline and honor. So teaching our children to honor and have respect for those who are older than them and those in authority. And it'll be sort of in the, the boys Academy, there'll be some kind of we're working it out. Some kind of almost like a ranking system, some kind of like almost like a military rank that you would get as you you're in there. So that you have to look to the older kids with respect. Yeah, and uh, and so this is we were we just went and visited a, a a Christian school today to see what they do. They don't quite do all the same things. We did a lot of good things. Uh-huh. So that's uh, that's that's not quite a rite of passage, but that is taking these concepts and trying to apply them.
0: Yeah, getting, in some getting, way, getting wheels on them. The rubber meets the road. How's this actually work itself out? Man, this is really good stuff. Okay, so eschatology wise, I mean, are you a post mill guy? Is that is that where yeah. you're at? Okay, so yeah. why why are you doing this then? Why are you wanting to build an institution? Why are you writing books for children? Um, why are you? What, what's your long term hope and prayer if God continues to bring fruit to all of this? So, what what are you hoping for, man? What, what are y'all doing this? Isn't this just kind of like, you know, peeing in the wind a little bit? I mean, what <laughs> what are you what are you doing? What's the what's the hope?
1: Well, uh, the hope is for for one, uh, Christ has saved me and forgiven me of sin and has, I wasted a decade of my life in rebellion to God. Mm. And, and why would I waste any more time? I'm 40 years old. And so I want to serve the Lord. But secondly, I mean, so that's, he saved me. I want to serve him. But I have his promises that he, that our work that's done for him is not done in vain. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have the, the, the long-term view that even as dark as things may seem, God always uses his people and his people's faithfulness to bring light and to grow his kingdom. We're to seek the kingdom of God first. And so um, eschatology does help drive that, that I believe that actually the gospel will be, will be uh, uh, victorious over all of, of the world in time and in history. But I also, uh, um, I also believe that that uh, even if things are seem dark now that, that God will use our faithfulness. And, and, and so you know who was it? William Carey, Good Baptist said, uh, "William Carey, uh, attempt great things for God." Um, that's that's what I want. I want our our church and everything to be about is mm-hmm. seek the kingdom of God first, trusting Him, trusting as uh, this is something we've talked about in my patriarchy podcast, which is that the patriarchy is inevitable. Mm-hmm. God's fatherhood is inevitable because He is the Father of all things, and He's given His name, fatherhood, to fathers. And as much as we can try to smash it and rail against the patriarchy, what we are seeing is not really the victory of secularism and sodomy and, and all this stuff. What you're seeing is people giving, giving over to depraved thoughts, Mm -hmm. depraved mind. Now they don't know what between a boy and a girl. I mean, that's like one of the last things that happens before you're, you're completely defeated, not you're winning.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It's the evidence of everything burning down, not of gaining ground.
1: And so if Christians will just be faithful and keep building, think long-term. Um, I tell our church this, you know, as a Protestant, I actually, I really love cathedrals. I, I uh, And the reason I love cathedrals is because they were often took 400 years to build. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a guy will start to build something knowing that not even his grandchildren will get to see the final product of it. Yeah. That takes faith.
0: It does. It does. Have you a uh, uh, sidebar here? Have you been to the St. Louis Basilica by any chance?
1: No, no, I, I, um, I don't know that I've ever been to St. Louis.
0: Okay. If you ever make it, make it over to the, one of the most dangerous cities in America, there's actually a lot of cool things there. And one of them is the St. Louis Basilica and it has got a mosaic on it that took, it was one of those cathedral like things. And you stand there in awe because you're just looking and thinking how many people worked on this, lived their whole life and died. And the work continued on exactly what you're saying. Well, hey, this has been great. Um, I've enjoyed this so much. So if people thought, man, this is I like this guy. This is really good, good stuff. I think a lot of my listeners will be at least a little bit familiar with you or maybe, you know, dawn on them. Oh, that's the patriarchy podcast guy. Um, Where can we find out more about what you're doing about all this stuff? If you write anywhere, let us know that and then tell us where the best place to buy the books are. Just tell us where we can find all your stuff.
1: Yeah, so you can find my podcast on the Fight Laugh Feast Network, and I have two podcasts on there: the Patriarchy and one called the Daily Sword, in which I do like a daily Bible reading and and prayer guide with that. And then you can look at SovereignKingChurch.com to find all my sermons and mostly blog articles. And then the then you can look me up on Facebook, Twitter. I don't use Twitter very often. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, <laughs> <laughs> and, but I'm on there. I'm on parlor and me. but I mostly use Facebook for social media. And if you want to buy my book, uh, you can buy it at any online retailer for books. So amazon.com. It's good to be a boy. It's good to be a girl. You can go to book, nook, whatever um, um, Barnes and Noble, whatever other uh, books, a million they're, they're on all those. So, okay.
0: Very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We've been talking with Mr. Joseph Spurgeon. Thanks so much, man, for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, of us. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.